Biodiversity is a nascent theme for ESG-focused investors, offering pension schemes the opportunity to invest for good and diversify their portfolios. I'm Alex Janiel, and to discuss biodiversity, I'm joined by Newton Investment Management Head of Sustainable Investment, Therese Nicholson, and Nature Alpha founder, Dr. Vian Sharif. Welcome both. Uh, Therese, if we could start with you, simply what do we mean by biodiversity? Thanks, Alex. So there are some uh, definitions that are more complex than others, but to really break it down to something simple, biodiversity is really the variety of life on Earth in, in all different forms, starting from genes and bacteria, all the way to different ecosystems, such as forests and, and oceans. And, and the biodiversity that we see today is really the making and the result of 4.5 billion years of, of evolution. So it's really something quite magnificent. And Therese, how do schemes typically invest in biodiversity and what asset classes offer the opportunity to do so? Well, so before we start with that, if we just sort of take one step back of why it's really important, because this is why it's sort of coming onto the agenda of both asset owners and asset managers, we depend on biodiversity for so much in our ordinary lives. I mean, it's everything from food and water to medicine. It's an important input to stabilizing our climate, economic growth, etc. And there's one billion people today that rely on forests for their livelihoods, for examples. And as I mentioned, in terms of carbon emissions as well, oceans are really important to that. So as a global society where we're looking for economic growth that is really truly dependent on on what nature has to offer. It's estimated, in fact, that over half of global GDP is directly dependent on nature, which is about 44 trillion US dollars. Obviously, there's a very significant connection between our society and the natural environment and biodiversity. So for that reason, the way that we allocate capital, the way that we think about investments cannot be done in isolation without thinking about biodiversity. So to go to your question, how do schemes invest in it? Well, there's a variety of different ways that you can allocate towards sort of dealing with or addressing biodiversity. One way, of course, is to look at it through the risk lens. So really ensuring that asset managers to whom you've allocated capital for them to, to manage on your behalf, that they really think about this through their investments across their portfolios. Sectors are all sort of impacted by this in different ways, and some are more vulnerable to the erosion of biodiversity that we're facing today. So that's one way that it's really important. The second way that you can allocate and think about it is, of course, sort of through that lens of, of solutions and dedicated ways to invest behind trying to tackle the erosion of biodiversity and sort of the need for conservation. And that can either be done through, for example, dedicated sustainability portfolios focused on biodiversity or allocation to things like sustainability bonds in the market focused on either broader sustainability, where biodiversity is obviously part of that overall sort of focus. And that can be either through sovereign bonds that are sort of at a nascent stage in terms of focusing on that or existing sort of sustainability corporate bonds. So there's a way, a set of different ways that asset owners can and are already starting to allocate capital with biodiversity in mind. 
And Vianne, can you point to any parts of the world, any geographies where institutional investors are making an impact through biodiversity investment? Yeah, absolutely, Alex. It's been extraordinary to see the rise of this theme and and actually Share Action uh, mentioned that this is one of the fastest growing themes in the area of looking at environmental and societal risks and opportunities. So where we're really seeing catalyst is Firstly, because of regulation. So we're starting to see the emergence of the Task Force for Nature-Related Disclosures, which is starting to put uh, or shine a light on where nature and biodiversity fits into the process of the financial investment decision-making world. So where we've seen the, the lead being taken really is in Europe first and in the UK. It's been very interesting because the SFDR regulation that's come in has started to focus attention on certain principal adverse indicators, one of which is a biodiversity indicator, very, very forward thinking. But then also we've started to see asset managers in the UK think about how they can capture opportunities and start to measure the risks around biodiversity. So this is where we're starting to see leadership in the space. And which areas are potentially lagging? Well, I think this emergent theme, one other important catalyst has been, as we've said, the regulation. So one thing I didn't mention was that in France, for example, Article 29 is a specific piece of regulation around understanding biodiversity risk across the financial sector. So in terms of forward thinking, I would say that there are fewer laggards as there there are forward thinkers. Because this uh, mainstreaming of biodiversity and nature as a theme is starting to permeate really on a global level, I would say really we're starting to see the mainstream follow on from those leaders. You've touched on regulation there, perhaps a question for both of you. Therese, how prominent is the theme of biodiversity in regulation and policy? And, And to what extent are policymakers openly considering the role of institutional investors in bringing about positive change in this area? Yeah, so I think in light of and in recognition of the fact that nature is in crisis, we have definitely seen an acceleration, if you like, around policy and regulation in the space, which is both sort of involving the investment community, but also more broadly in capital markets and impacting companies, et cetera. So I'll mention a couple of things. I mean, I I think the task force for nature-related disclosures that Vian mentioned is really important. And I think as investors, we can almost think of it as a bit of a replication of the pathway of the TCFD and the way we saw that evolving. So again, when we talk about these things being on horizon as investors, I think getting prepared for something similar is quite important. And I think we will start seeing mandatory reporting, of course, in certain markets, certainly within the the G7. So that sort of brings investors into the mix. Then you have more specific sort of regulations that have been quite powerful. So, for for example, in the EU, we've had the 2030 Biodiversity Strategy, where we have received an EU-wide ban on importation of deforestation-linked commodities. Now, this is a really important and quite challenging piece of legislation that companies need to think very carefully about. I've read a piece of cell site research that suggests that it could result in a 4% annual turnover penalty for companies that are found to be non-compliant. So that's, of course, really important for investors to understand 
how well prepared companies are that they are invested in terms of these pending legislation. Then we have COP15 as well happening in Montreal, uh, which has received, I think, more attention now than ever in the past. I mean, that it's COP15 tells you that it's been going on for quite a few years. And it's expected to result in national or regional policy actions on biodiversity. So expectations are quite high on that, but there are a lot of complexities to biodiversity in, in, in a different way from climate, not least because of the combination of different metrics in terms of how you assess it, etc. But the response to it, I think the solutions that they're going to look to are going to be very similar to how the climate negotiations have been approached, which is to have a real impact on a sort of or a lens, shall we say, on finance, coupled with quite clear legislation. So all of that together, I think, tells us that we're now seeing a really important period of acceleration of policy and regulation. If I could add to Teresa's brilliant points there, the thing that is important about COP15 from two lenses is, firstly, the unprecedented engagement with the financial sector. So there's a finance day. This is reflective of the engagement that the finance sector has shown, the Finance for Biodiversity Pledge, for example, some hundred companies signed up to understanding that this is an important issue for them, but also the discussion around an apex target for biodiversity and nature. What I mean by that is we have a net zero target. We have a framework underpinned by scientific analysis around what it might take to get to net zero and how we might do that. What the world seems to be looking for and looking to COP15 for is a similar apex target for nature and biodiversity, which could be in the form of something like a nature positive target, which is defined. That is something that will take some work to get to, but will be an important development on the pathway to how these evolving areas all start to come together to move in the same direction. And Therese, can you point to any concrete examples of a pension scheme making an impact through biodiversity investment and also fulfilling its fiduciary responsibilities? Yeah, so in some ways, a little bit of a similar answer to what we spoke about before in terms of the way that you as an asset owner pay attention Two issues like biodiversity is through the way that you allocate down to, to managers to invest on your behalf. And I think in terms of that fiduciary duty aspect of things, I mean, this is really about ensuring that we take into account all the risks and opportunities that comes with the investments that we do. And certainly through the lens of the impact of certain sectors. So take, for example, something like consumer staples and food products, the way that they may be impacted by land and sea use change through surface deforestation and over-exploitation, for example, is going to be incredibly important in terms of delivering on that fiduciary duty to make sure that we protect the value of those assets and we try and grow the value of their investments over time. So this isn't about doing just the right thing. This is really about understanding the planetary boundaries that we're up against through the way that we've invested and through the way that 
our economic growth has sort of disregarded the, the impact on natural capital over time. So that's perhaps not a, a concrete example on a, on a product. But like I said before, the focus on the risk side of this, the integration work, is equally important to then ensuring that you allocate, if you can, to some form of solution aspect as well. There are lots of different sectors that will benefit as well from trying to solve these problems. They're always winners and losers, right, in terms of all of these challenges. So it's our role as investors to make sure that we don't just protect that capital, but we also seek out opportunities on their behalf. And we are having these conversations with clients. It's really interesting because there is a genuine conversation going on in the industry where we all just kind of like collaboratively exploring this topic with each other because we haven't cracked how to do this. We haven't, I think, established a uniform framework to how to think about risk. I mean, there are some really good efforts, of course, coming through what the work that the TNFD are doing. A lot of the conservation NGOs as well are putting out really good frameworks in the market. And similar to a lot of other things that we've tried to solve for in our industry over time, it, we will find some harmonization. We will sort of like sift through the different frameworks and the ones that are stronger and those that are weaker. It's just that we're up against, as with all these things, time. You know, we don't have another 20 years to figure out a framework to start action. We need to start today. And Vian, do you think UK pension schemes are doing enough or you know, perhaps could do more on biodiversity investment? It's a great question, Alex. And the engagement that I've seen from the UK pension sector has been extremely encouraging. They do want to engage on this subject. They do care about understanding how to incorporate biodiversity into their investment strategies, whether that means seeking out opportunities and biodiversity or nature positive investments, or whether that simply means starting to understand the risk parameters of how they can think about the impacts and dependencies of their investments on nature. I've been very, very pleasantly surprised at how forward thinking these institutions have been in this space. Well, thank you both. That is unfortunately all we have time for. If you would like to watch, read or listen to more about pension schemes and ESG, you can visit our website at www.pensions-expert.com. Thank you for joining us. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.